la Sangha est invitée à retourner à sa respiration afin que l'énergie de la pleine conscience puisse nous rassembler comme un organisme, coulant comme une rivière, sans plus aucune séparation. Puisse la Sangha tout entière respirer comme un seul corps, écouter comme un seul corps, chanter comme un seul corps, transcendant les frontières d'un soi illusoire, nous libérant ainsi des complexes de supériorité, d'infériorité et d'égalité. From the depths of understanding, a flower Yeah.
Dear Sangha, today is the 1st of December, 2013. We are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall in the winter retreat 2013-2014. We know that in Christianity, they have addressing issues whether God is a human or not a human. If God is not a human, then how can we pray to God? It's difficult. But, and this is a big issue in Christianity. God is a person or not? Not a person. said that even though God is not a person but but he is not less than a human this this statement is very complicated God is not a person but is not less than a person uh, in other words they they go to an idea that God is not just a person. It's a big step in progress. In Buddhism, however, we have the idea of sentient being and Buddha. Sentient beings are people who have a lot of suffering, who are deluded, and Buddha are the ones who are enlightened and who are no longer suffering. And usually we discriminate uh, that Buddha is different from sentient beings, sentient beings different from Buddha. to think that when we are we are that when we become a Buddha we are no longer a sentient being but this this view is not right according to Mahayana Buddhism. Because 
according to Hamaha Buddhism, uh, that if there are no sentient beings, then there are no Buddhas. Therefore, we have uh, we have the teachings: uh, Buddha and sentient beings are not separate. Are not two separate things. Not sep- two separate entities. That this one cannot exist without the other. Shan Phật Mất Nhị, Xuân Trinh Viên and Buddha are not two, are not different. Means Shantin Bin and Buddha are not two uh, separate entities that uh, without one, then there's no other. So without Shantin Bin, there's no way we can have Buddhas. And so Shantin Bin and Buddha are two, a pair of opposites. And these two entities, they they seem as if they're two opposite um, entities, but if one is not present, the other cannot be just like lotus and mud. Without the mud, there's no lotus. This, this is easy to understand. According to interdependent co-arising that everything arises um, interdependently arising for example human being when we look at a human we see elements that are non-humans for example in, in other words, these elements are um, minerals, vegetation, and animals. The, the water, the minerals, the wind, the air, and then there are, and over time, these elements give rise to vegetation and then give rise to animals. And then with animals, um, there are humans. So when we look at humans, we see these elements. And if we take minerals, vegetations, and animals out of humans, then there's no, there's no human. Therefore, human, a human, is also minerals. Human is also vegetation, is also animals. Because without these animals, without these elements, there's no humans. So we, we can say that 
We, we say, if we say that if, as when we become a human being, no, we're no longer mineral or vegetation or animals, but, and this is not true because these elements are in a human being. These non-human elements are in a human. And it's the same with the Buddha. Even though the Buddha has become enlightened, but the non-Buddha elements are still in a Buddha. Um, what kind of elements are there in a Buddha? If we look deeply, we see sentient beings in in the Buddha. We see suffering that have been transformed. We have afflictions that have been transformed. Illusion, delusion that have been transformed. Just like when we look at a, a lotus, lotus flower, we, we know that a lotus is made of elements of non-lotus, like mud. Even though a lotus has already become a lotus flower, but in the lotus flower, and that a flower cannot be without the mud, and that if a flower wants to continue to be a lotus flower, it has to keep the mud, the element of mud in it. So when we become a human, when we are a human being, um, and that without the elements of vegetation, minerals, and animals, uh, a human cannot be a human. So the the ecosystem, the environment, and humans are not separate. Two separate things. Uh, when there are no longer sentient beings, there are no longer Buddhas. When there are no longer minerals, vegetation, and animals, there is there are no longer humans. So we should not have an illusion that when that when we become a Buddha that we are forever, forever saying goodbye to sentient beings. So Buddha and uh, sentient being and Buddha is an insight. It's a non-dualistic insight. And this insight is applicable in our situations such as the left and the right. If as long as the left is there, then the right is there. And you cannot say that the right can be without the left. And Buddha, Sintian being are the same thing. Human and animals are the same thing. Without one, then the other cannot exist. This is called interbeing, interdependent, co-arising. In the Buddha, there are happiness, there's happiness. Insight. Um, there are um, bodhi, elements of, elements of enlightenment, enlightenment. 
So enlightenment is opposite of affliction. Insight is opposite of ignorance or delusion, and happiness is opposite of suffering. But according to the insight of coming from our practice, is that everything is impermanent. Not only suffering is impermanent, but happiness is also suffering. Is that right? That so not just suffering is impermanent, but Happiness is also suffering. Not only affliction is so is impermanent, but enlightenment is also impermanent. Because if we don't uh, uh, cultivate our enlightenment, it can become it become affliction. So it's impermanent. So don't think that once we are enlightened, that we always have this enlightenment. Because enlightenment is also impermanent. Sometimes, sometimes we are enlightened. We have enlightened, but we don't cultivate it. So it's very, uh, very dim. So we know there's things that we know very, very clearly, but we don't make use of this insight. So we act as if we we don't have the insight. And so, Buddha is impermanent, and it's the Buddha is impermanent and also non-self. And that if we want to continue to be a Buddha, we have to make use of the element of suffering, affliction, and ignorance to cultivate happiness, enlightenment, and insight. So there's a question: uh, Once we become a Buddha, do we need to practice? This is a simple question, but very important one. Because the majority of us, ninety-nine percent of us. Uh, enter Buddhism, we think that once we become a Buddha, we don't need to practice anymore. There's no need to practice. What's the use of the practice? So, becoming a Buddha means we are we are enlightened. We have insight. We have happiness. But the truth is, the Buddha continues to practice walking meditation, to do sitting meditation, and so the truth is very clearly. That happiness, enlightenment, and insight is impermanent, and that if the Buddha wants to cultivate, uh, needs to cultivate these elements, just like a lotus, it has already become a lotus, but it can it it cannot push away the mud. It has to live uh, with the mud and the water. Um, ignorance and enlightenment are like that. In Mahabhyana Buddhism, uh, Bud- the Buddha, uh, the Buddha has. In the form, the image of a human being, just like the Buddha Shakyamuni is a human, and we know that a human being is is born is is present on this planet Earth very late. It's 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 among all the species, human arise in the world uh, much much later. And so before there is a Buddha, does that mean there's no Buddhas before that? 
Does that mean that there is no enlightenment and insight and happiness? Before we have the Buddha, there is still happiness, enlightenment and insight, but it's in, in a different form. So we ask a simple question. The Buddha can recognize. Can, can the Buddha be recognized in another form? Uh, in another form other than a human? And in the Diamond Sutra, it's very clear that if there's form, there's deception. That if we get caught in a sign or a form of a human, then 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 we will get caught because a human, a, a Buddha is not not just uh, in a form of a human. And that if we look for the Buddha through a form or sound, then we can never find the Buddha. And that if we look, if we look for a Buddha through sound or image form, then they're on the wrong path. They will never have a chance to see the Buddha. This is a, a sentence in a sutra, Diamond Sutra. So we not sh- we should not get caught in a f- in a, the Buddha as a human being, and the earth can be a Buddha, because in the earth there's happiness, there's enlightenment, there's insight. And this Buddha is a mother. And that a Buddha is not just a man. In Christianity, when they think of God, they they think of God as a man and never as a woman. But in Buddhism, we have a, a, a woman, a female Buddha. And so the earth is a it's a female Buddha, it's our mother. It's the mother of all Buddhas in the form of humans. And that it's the mother of of Buddhas in different forms too. A, a cypress or a rose are also Buddhas. And that not only the Buddha, a human become Buddha to give talks, but also a rose is given a Dharma talk. A cypress tree is given a Dharma talk. And what does it give a talk about? It talks about, it talks, uh, it teaches impermanence, um, non-self, um, four noble truths. So in, in, in Buddhism, when we look, um, we can see the Buddha in every, f- in, in every forms, in many forms. We see the Buddha in the form of a rose, a cypress tree. And so if we can see, if we can see this, then it's not hard to recognize that our Mother Earth is the Buddha or the Sun as the Earth, the Vairochana Buddha. And that we're not caught in form or sign. If we do not get in sign, then it's easy for us to recognize the Buddhas. We have a tendency to discriminate. When we talk about mud or lotus, we like the lotus and we don't like the mud. But we know that without the mud, there's no lotus. 
That so the lotus, there's there's Buddha nature in the lotus flower, but also there's Buddha nature in the mud. And in in the Prashna, uh, the Heart Sutra says that there's no uh, no uh, defilement, immaculate or defilement in a lotus, <laughs> decreasing or increasing in a lotus. Neither is in the mud. So we have to look with the eyes of um, of uh, signlessness, no form. So we can see, recognize the Buddha in many different forms, in a lotus, in a in a rose, in a pebble. So in the sutra, the Buddha say that all sentient beings have Buddha nature. And so we have to be able to take away the the, the boundaries between Buddha and sentient beings. So before we touch the earth to the Buddha, we're taught that we have to look deeply to see the interdependent arising of the Buddha. We read... um, um, we say to the Buddha, Dear Buddha, you are um, that your nature is emptiness, that you are made of elements that are non-Buddha. Just like a lotus is made of non-lotus flower, a Buddha is made of non-Buddha element. And thanks to the afflictions that that we can make enli- uh, enlightenment. And so I see that, and I see that. And so we see the nature of emptiness in a Buddha. And we see the Buddha contains awe, and not just uh, um, insight, enlightenment, compassion, uh, happiness. The Buddha has all kinds of elements in, in the Buddha. And even though we are sentient beings, but we all have, we have all in ourselves, that we have the Buddha in ourselves, and we in the Buddha. And if, and then after we see, we have this insight, then we can touch the Buddha. And that's when there's a communication between the Buddha and us. And that if we see ourselves separate from the Buddha, and the Buddha suffering ourselves, then the, that touching of the earth is not very beneficial. It's only when we see the interconnection between us and the Buddha that touching the earth can be uh, beneficial and helps us to come in touch with our own Buddha nature. And this is a correct way to practice. If we say that Buddha is separate from us, then we, can, we will always be just us, and the Buddha will always be the Buddha. We can never become a Buddha, and communication is not possible. And that... And that... The communication between us and the Buddha it's very difficult to establish and so and so this is called um, a dualistic view discriminative view and in the Diamond Sutra it's very clear that we have an idea of self we have an idea of uh, if a human being 
and sentient beings. This, these ideas needs to, needs to transcend, needs to get rid of. Because we have to be able to look at uh, self and we have to see elements of non-self. Being human being, we have to look at the non-human being. When you look at sentient being, we have to see the non-sentient being elements. That's the, the, the teachings of uh, Diamond Sutra. And that there are four elements that we need to get rid of. self, human being, sentient being, and... Um, Taomang is lifespan. And if we take away this lifespan, this idea of a landspan, then we see that we're not just here during this uh, 100 years of our life. And then if there's another, um, uh, there's another uh, border, boundary, or demarcation that we need to get rid of. It's between sentient being and um, inanimate object and animate objects. So inanimate object are like wind, uh, rain, air, and, and animate are like animals, humans. There's a there's a French poet poet French poet um, who said that um, dear in inanimate objects do you have a soul do you have a soul and the musician Jingkumsheng how do we know that. Um, the rocks and the stones are not suffering. That uh, the stones and the rocks, they do need one another too. So we cannot say that they are inanimate. If we learn the history of um, um, anthropology, we know that that at, the, at, the, at first they're just the the earth, the rocks, the minerals. Okay. And during the... And so from that, that primal soup, there with primal soup, they called it, there were uh, the, the single, single cell organism comes out. And it's from... So it's from this mineral, from the rocks that uh, the water, that the, the single-cell organism comes up, and from the single-cell organism, that more com- complex organisms um, were born. And, and, um, and so, so it's from the single-cell organism that there are other complex um, cell organisms uh, were, were arise, arisen. And so the things that we we say inanimate, such as uh, the the photon or or neutron, they have they have knowledge, they have insight. 
And this is easy to understand. If, for example, we take out a, a, corn, a, a corn seed, and we cannot say that a corn seed is, is, is inanimate, because we know that in a corn of a seed, corn, it has an insight, it has a knowledge. All we need to do is put the seed down in the soil, and within seven days, it, it becomes a seedling, seedling, corn seedling. And, and then it continues to produce leaves, flowers, and, and make, make up the corn, the corns. And so, and so the corn is also animate. We are made, we are made of inanimate objects, and so there's no boundaries between animate and, and inanimate, and so so inanimate, inanimate objects also have Buddha nature. In Zen, they ask, "Is a dog has Buddha nature?" Mm, but but we also know that. In a rock, there's Buddha nature as well. So we have to find a way to transcend the idea that a Buddha is just a human. We have another, uh, we have a guided meditation exercise uh, that invites the Buddha to breathe, to sit, we don't know whether I don't know whether you practice this exercise. Thai practices this exercise a lot. Thai sits down. Thai asks, in, Thai invite the Buddha to breathe, to sit, and Buddha here. We invite the Buddha to breathe, we invite the Buddha to sit. Because Buddha is not a self. When we breathe peace calm uh, when we breathe um, peacefully uh, then there's Buddha. When we have uh, freedom, uh, there's Buddha. And so Buddha is not just human, a human. If we identify the Buddha as human, just human, then it's not right, not correct. That when we have uh, freedom, peace, then that's the Buddha. We invite the Buddha to sit, to breathe. And that... And that um, and then if when the Buddha sits, the Buddha sits very upright, very still, and the Buddha breathes very gently. 
and and mindfully. And so the first line is, "My Buddha, my Buddha, invite the Buddha to breathe, invite the Buddha to sit." So we we give our spine to the Buddha to sit. We give the lungs our lungs to the Buddha to breathe. And this is this is the practice of transcending that the Buddha is outside of our body, and that if the Buddha breathes with with our lungs, sit with our spines, then we can be very close to the Buddha. The Buddha is breathing gently. The Buddha is sitting still. We can sit gently and we can sit still because the Buddha is using our lungs to breathe and our spine to sit. And so, and so, so if the Buddha is breathing calmly and sitting still, then we are also breathing calmly and sitting still. And and we don't see the Buddha outside of us. The Buddha is the gentle breathing. It's, it's calm sitting. And if you like, you feel you feel good, you feel light and free, then you can continue to practice like that, to breathe like that. So the first two lines is to invite the Buddha to breathe um, gently, to sit still. We breathe for a few minutes so that the Buddha can really become one with us. And then the one is uh, the Buddha is able to sit. Um, the Buddha is able to breathe gently. The Buddha is able to sit gently, uh, sit stably. And so the second this this practice um, is really beneficial. If it's special for us, we can continue to to practice with it. And then we continue another with another step with the third line. Third practice. The Buddha is the the gentle breathing. The Buddha is the still sitting. Because if we look for the Buddha outside of this gentle breathing and this uh, still sitting, then we cannot find the Buddha. And that if we don't have these elements, then there's no way we can touch the Buddha. And so the Buddha is the presence of gentle, our gentle breathing. We can. We do not look for the Buddha elsewhere. The Buddha is in this gentle breathing, this still sitting, and then we can see the Buddha right here, right now with us. And that's the, that's the. The Buddha, the Buddha is the gentle breathing. The Buddha is the still sitting. We don't have a separate self from the Buddha. And so the boundary between us and the Buddha is erased. The Buddha is a, a gentle breathing. The Buddha is sitting still. The Bu- I am the sitting Buddha. Uh, I am the gentle breathing and I am the still sitting. Trans- we have to transcend these notions. 
The Buddha is the gentle breathing. The Buddha is is solid sitting, still sitting. I am gentle breathe. I am the gentle breathing. I am the solid sitting. And we go another another exercise is the fourth exercise. There is only the gentle breathing. There's only the still sitting. There's no one breathing, and there's no one sitting. This is a practice of non-self. There's 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 us and there's the Buddha, uh, and that we don't need a a subject to breathe. We don't need a subject to to sit. And that this helps us to transcend the the self that we are sitting, that we are breathing, and that this practice helps us to see that there is just the breathing and there is just the sitting, and there's no subject that's doing the breathing and sitting. For example, the wind blows, or the clouds floats, or rain, the rain is falling. Of course, the wind is blowing. It doesn't need to be blown. The wind doesn't need to, because if it's not blowing, it's not the wind. And that if the rain is not falling, then it's not the rain. And when we look deeply, we see that a self, if there's a self that that falls or that blows, so there's no blower, there's no rainer, there's only the wind and the rain. There's only the gentle breathing. There is only the still sitting. There's no one who breathes. There's no one who sits. And so there's no no self. Just just the the breathing and the sitting. For example, when we look at our earth, we know that the the earth is breathing gently and is sitting still. And so the earth is the Buddha. We don't need to imagine that that the Buddha is in a form of a human. When we when there when there's stillness, peace. When there is peace, uh, there's peace. Then there is the Buddha. So the Buddha is not a a subject. So this practice, peace is when peace is um, is the breathing. Peace is the sitting. Because when we are able to breathe gently or sit still, there's peace, and that we need the subject to 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 have peace. 
And so, if we want to look for a Buddha, we don't need to go back to India 2,600 years ago. We don't need to go to a temple because we only, when we go to a temple, we only see a, a Buddha statue in, in concrete or, or, or copper. Because if we transcend the, 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 um, the view of a, a sign, if we get caught in a view of a sign, that the sign that the Buddha has to be in these 80 different sides of eighty different mics, then we are caught. We caught in signs of a Buddha. And so if we sit still and breathe calmly, gently, and generate joy and peace and and freedom, then the Buddha is there. And this is real Buddha. It's not Buddha made of copper or stone. And thanks to these afflictions, these uh, dis-ease, this this dispersion that we that we look for the Buddha is from this uh, dispersion, this suffering, these afflictions, this grief that we 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 cultivate, that we generate the energy of peace joy and so things to the mud that we can make with flower lotus flowers so we should not uh, run away from afflictions suffering if we know how to make use uh, of these afflictions and suffering they become happiness enlightenment or insight and so the question the simple question that after we become a Buddha, do we need to continue to practice? It's a very good question. So, Tanbu, becoming a Buddha means that we have happiness, enlightenment, and insight. And, and, we have, we have, and when we have these elements, and we don't continue to cultivate them, then they will, they, they will slowly wither and die. And so we need to so we need to make use of our suffering and affliction and ignorance to to cultivate happiness, enlightenment and insight. In Mahayana Buddhism it's very clear that affliction is enlightenment. And Nirvana is um, birth and death. And that Nirvana and samsara, birth and death, are two 
are two um, two things that cannot be separated from one another, just like the left and the right. We cannot have the left without the right. And so, if we think that once we are we have in nirvana that we are no longer in samsara, then we all get caught in a dualistic view. And so, when there's a sin student who asks the teacher, "Where can I look for nirvana?" And the teacher said, "You look for nirvana in birth and death." It's very clear. It's it is birth and death. But if you look deeply into it, it is then it is nirvana. And so our daily practice has to be realistic. With our steps, with our breath, with our mind, uh, with our speech, we have to co-generate uh, peace, joy, happiness. We need these the elements of non-happiness, non-peace, uh, to to generate, to cultivate joy, peace. We always use the mud to 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 grow lotus, and that's our work. To to generate, to cultivate our happiness, we need to learn how to manage our suffering, our affliction. If we know how to manage our and deal out, deal with our suffering and affliction, then we know how to generate and cultivate happiness. So we don't run away from our suffering. We have to take take make use of our suffering. And practice with them. Wherever we fall down, we have to to stand up from that place. So Today we will learn how to uh, we will learn how the functions of alaya. If you if you have the thirty verses, take take them out.
So the translation is its appropriations and its manifestation of locality cannot be known intellectually. So not knowing the manifestation of in Pali, in Sanskrit. The word Liu here is translated as Biu Biu into Vietnamese manifestation. This word is uh, by Master Xuan Tang Huyang Tang, translated from Vishnapti. Vishnapti means manifestation, and we understand. The manifestation Vishwambhi is that it manifests, it, it arises so that we can recognize it. It's manifested so that it can be seen, it can be recognized. For example, Sister Zhang Dehua can draw, but when we look at her, we don't see that. That, that talent, but when she sits down and she draws a, a 
a picture, then we can see that her talent is is manifested, and we can see it. So it's manifested so that it can be seen, it can be recognized. And in so in Sanskrit, it's it's uh, the the prefix v means to be uh, to be to be seen, to be recognized, to cog. cog Cognition, cognized, manifest, manifest to be seen, to be, to, and, and so we learn that cannot, cannot be, cannot know, cannot be known, cannot be known. cannot be known. What do we not see? And we learn that it does not know the grasping of a feeling, um, place and manifestation, and these are three separate things. This is what we learned in school, Buddhist school. And so these three things are upadi, which is like grasping, grasping um, a a feeling, sadhana. Su is um, space. Space or location, location. And liu is manifestation, Vishnapti. And according to the grammar of, uh, of, of Pali, that when these three things follow one another, But when we have uh, we have a a noun that is the this, the object of another noun, and so so it has to be translated that we cannot know we cannot know the manifestation of grasping onto feeling. And location. It is not known. It is not. It is not known. Biu Biu is manifestation, so the eighth consciousness. It manifests so that we can see. First, if it manifests, um, it manifests in the feeling grasp. Sajapta uh, means grasp, uh, receiving, and maintaining. Deep Nyung. Receives and it maintains. 
receiving and holding. Because store consciousness means that it stores, it receives the seeds, and it, it keeps it in the store, and it preserves the seeds so that they're not lost. Just like when we learn English or music, this the seed of if of of English and music goes in there, and the store consciousness keeps it, preserves it, so that it's not lost. Uh, first of all, it it receives seeds. And it receives and holds to maintain our body and the environment in which the body lives. Not, not not the environment. The five, um, the f- five organs in our body. Because our body is the base for the five organs, so it's our body. So it's our body and the seeds. So, alaya. Uh, receives and hold the seeds and also the five organs our body. And these seeds are what are they? These seeds are signs. Men are signs. The form of signs. For example, we have a brother or a young brother or sister who came from Thailand, and we don't know. We, we don't know that brother. We haven't seen his form, his sign. And comes here, and now we we see his form, so we see his sign. It's our first time seeing this sign, and so this sign or this form falls into our store consciousness as an image. So, the signs of everything of such as, or for example, the trees, the the cypress tree, or or a pigeon, these image or these signs falls into our store consciousness, and the store consciousness receives these images and and maintain the seeds, hold the seeds, and at night when we have a dream, these images comes out into our dream. And um, and as aside, apart from um, the the signs, there's also um, names. Yangong means names. Then 
For example, we, we see a cake. We see, we see, we see its, its sign, its form, but we don't know what it's called. It's called bánh nằm, or bánh ít, or bánh chừa cầu. Or bánh đốc. These names are also seeds. And, there, and so usually an image or a sign goes with a name. And so when we hear a, a sign, a name, then this sign comes up in our store consciousness. There are many of them in us. If it only falls in once, then this image, the seed, is, is weak. But when we remember, and, and it's hard for us to remember it. For example, we already see see the image of our younger brother. We see the hear the name of the younger brother once, and then later on we don't know, we don't remember. But only after re- many times repeating, um, seeing this image names that we we don't we remember it. That we don't need to learn that it becomes um, it becomes. Um, Natural, and so when we see the image, we see the, the the name. We see, we see the face of the brother. We see, we know the name. And the third kind of seed, um discerning discerning or discrimination of um, habit energies so it's the habit energies that make us discriminate um, this discriminate this from that a sister Jewish but uh, is different from it's not sister Jewish the father is not the son but in reality, it's not like that. In reality, things are in one another. They, they cannot be uh, taken apart. And that our, our usual way of seeing that things are separate, we do not see the right and the left into R. And so this is called the key from the habitual way of discriminating. Vakapa Vasana is its habits of habit. Vasana is habits. And Vakapa and is discrimination. That means discriminate this from that, that this one is not in that. That death is not birth, birth is not death. That human um, sentient beings are not Buddhas, Buddhas are not sentient beings. And so these are seeds that we receive we receive daily and we maintain these seeds in our store consciousness. And the second thing is that it receives our 
five five uh, a body of five organs, and according to to a karma, a retribution that we have this body, how our body is, and it's it's from the the manifestation of alaya, and that alaya has the has the responsibility of of receiving this body and and maintaining it, holding it. Because without alaya, this body is no longer a a a a live body. And that without the alaya, there's no five organs. There is just a dead body, even though there are eyes, there are nose, there are ears, but it's a dead body of it. And so the energy that maintains our life, the life alive, is the alaya. So when there's contact, and we say it's the alaya manifestation of organs and and object and consciousness come together. Alaya um, receive the seeds and and maintain the the seeds and it shares it shares the suffering uh, joy peace. And that's called japta. It manifests as as um, japta receiving and and maintaining. And su it it manifests as uh, as place or location. If we have a body of five organs, then we have the environment. The environment for the body. For the five organs, it's called Ki Te Yang. Location or place. And and and. According to our commerce in the past, that we that we have this connection with this uh, location or this place. For example, this is Plum Village. It's out in the countryside of France, and we have a collective karma. And due to certain seeds that have brought us together like this. And this is also the manifestation of alaya. We're not at a big city. We're not. Um, we're not. We're not uh, playing out there in the world, but we are coming together here to sit together and to breathe together. And so this place is called a place or location. Suit. And that if we are. Happy practitioners, 
then we then we will continue to stay here because it helps to nourish our, our joy and happiness our brotherhood, sisterhood and this place is our place it's called Shu location place but among us if there are if there are someone who thinks of another life or wants to go out there and have a family and then these seeds these habit energies um, can make this person uh, give up this place uh, lose this place to go out there in the world so all this is really the work of karma to continue living here in Plum Village or to leave Plum Village uh, to continue to have uh, Sioux space, this place, this location. And this location, this space is collective and it's, it, it's, it's, it has a collective manifestation and has individual manifestation. And for us who are practitioners in Plum Village, we have a really, we have a more realistic uh, connection and image of and relationship with Plum Village. But but friends who only come here a week or so, um, they have a different image of Plum Village. And so Plum Village is for everybody. But the image. So, so it's collective. This place is a collective place for everybody. But each one of us have an individual experience or in individual image of Plum Village. And so, there are people who live in this this village who don't who have never been here and who have this different um, image of of Plum Village. And so the place that we live in, it's, it's, um, it's created by our karma. Yeah, it's karma. It, uh, the karma gives rise to retribution. So the cause of karma brings about the fruits of retribution and one of them is called yi bao the other is jan bao jan bao means our body the f- our five uh, organs and yi bao is stana is the location is this place so our body is it's in that environment and that this environment is, is, comes from the seeds inside us that's planted in us. For example, the young, young people who are not yet ordained, they have the seed of a monastic in them. And if they meet the monks and the nuns, in, in in our centers in Vietnam, then then they have a chance to 
so, so the conditions, conditions are right. It water that seeds in them, and then they will become monastic. And so, we have we have this connection among one another that we have. We look for this place, just like people who are on drugs, they look for for other people who also take drugs. It's called collective uh, retribution, collective karma. Wow, it's retribution. And people... who likes music, they, go, they come together. Or the gay and lesbian, they come together. They have this, they have this affinity. They feel comfortable with one another. They may, they're discriminated against others, so they don't feel comfortable with other people. They come together. And so, so the location, the space, it's really a collective manifestation of many people. So we see Plum Village, in Plum Village, we walk every day, we eat vegan food, and that's the location too. And so there are people who like this, and so they continue to be vegan every day, I mean all their life, and they walk every day all their life. And perhaps in the past, we have planted the seeds, we had this the conditions that were there in the past, and that's why we are here today. So Sioux is the environment, is the location. And that the, this location or this environment is the manifestation of alaya as well. And that is not just my alaya or your alaya. So the question is, does everybody has a separate alaya? So according to to the insight of interbeing of Mahayana Buddhism that in individual or collective are a pair of opposite. And that we that if we look at the individual we see the collective and we see the individual we see when we look at the collective we see the individual in it and that there is really nothing that is completely individual and nothing can nothing completely um, collective. We can say that there's more collective than individual, or there's more individual than collective. And so we cannot say that this alaya, it's just individual, it's, it's separate, it's private. So even a pebble, even a leaf, when we look at them, we can see the whole cosmos in them. So that even though there's, they're individual, but they're collective. And so we have to translate the manifestation of alaya on on um, on the seeds, the seeds or the the body. And and its envi- environment cannot be seen, cannot be conceived, cannot be known, because its work, its 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 beyond our our knowing. It's it's cannot be known. It cannot be known. 
So the learning of the seeds comes in a way that, that, that's very uh, miraculous. We don't know when it comes in. For example, we, a man will see a woman for the first time and her image comes into him only once. And then when he came back to his place, he couldn't sleep. He didn't want that to happen. And this, and this man is called Du Yung, who saw Yang Kyu and immediately fell in love with her. And so these seeds grow. And so this, this learning is beyond our, our knowing. This receiving the seeds is beyond our knowing. Just like the children in France, from age zero, from age zero to four to three, they don't know to school, but they speak French really well, and and that's because they hear people, they hear grown-ups speaking French, so the language goes in a way that is beyond our knowing. Bukti um, means that it cannot be. Discussed, it cannot be, um, and that alaya it receives, it learns, it receives the seed, and then it manifests. And so our heart, uh, the hard disk of computer, we can understand it because we're the one who put the information into the hard disk. And when we look for them, we search for them, they will appear. But alaya, it's beyond. It's beyond our, 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 beyond our knowing. It's asamta, asam dika. It's beyond our. So those two things, the, the receiving and maintaining, and the environment, are beyond our, our knowing. So we need to make correction for the English. Its manifestation as as manifestation. Its manifestation as appropriation and and locality cannot be known intellectually. So its manifestation of appropriation. And locality cannot be known until so. So locality is it's place and plasma in French. It's manifestation of appropriation and locality. Muktungi, cannot be talked about. Cannot be known. That it goes into our store consciousness in a way. Can we cannot, and and when it manifests, it manifests. It's also beyond our knowing, beyond our speaking. So that's enough for today. Otherwise, we'll have a headache.